The large spiral staircase to the upper floor is lined with rows and rows of bookshelves filled with tomes and records. Amongst them, you notice a large piece of charcoal shaped like a hooked talon. It appears to be the charred remains of some creature. Upon closer inspection, you see tiny scrawled symbols that faintly glow a dull orange. When you reach the summit, you are greeted by a blast of the dry heat from an immense furnace built into the edge of this vast domed upper hall. Animated skeletons stand awaiting their instructions. You approach one with caution. This skeleton, number 748 according to the number chiseled above its brow, is odd, only in that some of its teeth appear to be false ones made of a reddish-brown stone. They're clearly not valuable, otherwise its caretakers would have removed them. <laughs> wonder if this Greybeard would mind if I borrowed his body. Greybeard? Oh, Greybeard. You know, geezer, old fella, yellow dog. Old! Well, I don't think he's in any position to object. Why not? Nah, I'd need a fresher one than this. Something with a little more dignity. This one's all creaky and fractured. And you're not? Oh, you're a sack full of laughs. Besides, you'll want to talk, Burke. Mirrors beg for mercy when you're around. Oh, yeah? At least I have all my parts. Mort snorts. You're not quite sure how he managed it without lungs. Let's go. As you pass another skeleton, it shifts and turns to face you. The number 42 has been chiseled into its forehead. You're amazed this rack of bones is still in one piece. Its yellowed limbs are smeared with plaster and foul-smelling glues. What little you can see of the bones reveals hundreds of hairline fractures. The straps binding it together are frayed, and the bolts look like they're about to fall out. A black smock has been draped over its body. I have to ask, why the smock? I mean, it's not like you have anything to be modest about. At the sound of your voice, the skeleton suddenly straightens up and crosses its arms over its chest, and its fingers hook into its ribcage. I think this is the corpse I had that memory about. You cross your arms over your chest. In response, the skeleton drops its arms to its sides. The leather cords securing the skeleton's torso snap and the ribcage folds outward like a pair of double doors. You reach into the ribcage and feel around. To your surprise, your hand vanishes and bumps against an unseen object. It's about the size of a fist and seems to be attached to the skeleton's spine. You pull the item out and the skeleton immediately disintegrates. The iron bolts securing its joints clatter to the floor. Whatever it is, it seems to have been the only thing holding the skeleton together. It appears to be an unremarkable lump of iron. You can't imagine why you would hide it inside the ribcage of a skeleton. Then, as you place both your hands on the lump, there is a hiss, and the metal evaporates, leaving behind a handful of coins wrapped in a dirty cloth a short green-tinted blade, and two bloody teardrops. These look like they were inside the lump of iron. You there! Hold! The commotion has drawn the attention of a robed figure, a dustman. They approach and regard you with a stony gaze. Are you lost? No. If you are not lost, then what is your business here? I'm here to see someone. Who are you here to see? It is none of your concern. I'm afraid that it is my concern. Mayhap the guards can loosen your tongue. The dustman takes a step back. He looks like he's about to summon the guards. But before he can utter another word, your hands clamp onto the side of his temples and you twist his head sharply to the left. Can't have you alerting your friends. There is a crack 
and the dustman falls limp in your arms. Still getting used to this scarred wreck of a body you've woken up in, you are mildly impressed, if a little horrified. It occurs to you that perhaps wearing this man's garb might hold off unwanted attention. You drag the body into the shadows and remove the frayed robes. They have an old, musty smell about them, and they don't fit you very well. You doubt the dustman disguise will hold up under any scrutiny, and certainly not if the dustmen are looking for an intruder. Built into the wall of this crematorium is a small annex room. Inside, it is lined with shelves and cabinets. Three doddering corpses stand waiting for their orders. One of the corpses' meaty heads was clearly severed at some point and hastily sewn back on. Several different sets of stitching, all in various states of unraveling, seem to indicate that the head is constantly being knocked back off and reattached during the course of its work. A number, 79, has been cut into its temple, circumscribed by a fanged circle that appears to have been branded on its forehead long ago, presumably before it died. It's some sort of religious icon or a rite of passage. You notice that one of the recesses between the inner fangs has a small triangle within it, as if it has some special significance. Huh. I wonder if the space between the fangs matches the grooves on this copper earring. You hook your fingernail into the notch in the earring matching where the triangle is pointing in the fanged circle and press it inwards. As you do, there is a click and the top of the earring snaps open. It looks like a secret compartment. You shake it, but nothing comes out. Whatever was hidden in the earring is gone now. Amongst the shelves you find more books, more useless names, and one note written on a scrap of dry parchment that catches your attention. Contact the necromancer responsible for raising contractual worker number 42. I know he's examined the skeleton before, but I am certain the initial raising of the body was warped. The worker still responds to commands, but when it has completed a task, it resumes pacing in the same circular pattern as it did before. Dal recently informed me that Worker 42 exhibited that same walking pattern when it was a zombie decades ago. There may be a soul echo in the marrow, or the skeleton's age may have caused the magic animating him to decay. One of the initiates suggested it may be following an order issued by a higher-ranking dustman in the past, but I have found no records of such an order. Whatever the reason for its behaviour, the matter is to be resolved, or the Worker replaced. <sighs> soul echo... Under one of the cabinets, you find an iron pry bar and a hefty hammer, both covered in thick black dust, old, but certainly still usable. Circling round the perimeter, you avoid the eyes of any patrols and happen upon a desk by a set of large brass doors leading to another wide spiraled staircase. On the desk, you find a blood-red metal key. Its jagged C-shaped head looks like it's ready to clamp down on whoever holds it. The stairs lead down, and surely are your exit, but you need to find the finger bone to have any hope of escaping unnoticed. Slinking round the dull shadowed edge, faintly lit by the furnace at the opposing side, you dart from slab to slab, and come to a skeleton frozen stock still, almost as if deep in thought. This skeleton has either seen a great deal of combat, or has fallen down one too many staircases. Both its arms and legs have been broken and rebuilt. The front of its skull bears the number 863, but the back of the skull has caved in, forming an empty cavity. 
Someone has taken advantage of this and tucked a rolled up piece of parchment inside the skull. A tiny string is attached to the parchment from a hook bolted inside to keep the parchment from accidentally falling out. This skeleton seems to be a walking messenger. You unhook the string and glance over the parchment. This is the third and last request for the pry bar. If it has been misplaced, tell me and I shall go to the hive market and purchase another. I have no objection to maintaining the contracted workers, but I've been trying to repair the skeletons and the bolts are wedged in so tight I can't get them out. Also, some of the locks in the storage cabinets on the third floor have become stuck again due to the heat, and I need the pry bar to snap them open as well. If the pry bar is indeed lost, I will see about procuring the services of a locksmith and having the cabinet locks replaced. Your aid in this matter would be appreciated. An unreadable signature has been scrawled beneath the message. As you take a second glance at the skeleton, you realize it has stopped in front of the slab because it can't figure out how to move past it. Sorry about taking that parchment, but I doubt you would have delivered it any time soon. The skeleton makes no reply. Great talking to you, Bones. Stay healthy. You see another side room filled with more cabinets and drawers. Checking the shelves, there is little of interest. But then, you find that one cabinet is seized shut. With no one about, you place the pry bar into a gap and lever your weight down onto it. The crusted lock bends and contorts before snapping with a crunch. Inside, you find a wrought iron bracelet along with a note with a penned series of tasks written in red ink. I would like the contracted workers to be inspected thrice daily. We've experienced too many collapses while engaged in heavy labor as of late, and I fear the embalming enchantments initially used on the corpses may be decaying, or may have been warped somehow. If the contracted workers could be inspected every eight hours and raised if they have collapsed, then this would prevent the backlog of shells in the preparation rooms and free up more contracted workers for other duties. I do not wish collapsed bodies to be disposed of. When possible, the original contracted shells are to be raised and be made to resume their duties. I have included spare embalming charms within the shells. They are to be used only when the shells cannot be repaired by stitching, bandaging, or applications of embalming fluid. In one more desperate reach, you rummage to the back of the cabinet and grasp blindly, your fingertips just feeling a dry knobbled form, that of a hollowed finger bone. At last, if he is to be believed, you have the key to this portal. Now to the exit. You retrace your steps and wind down the large staircase, finding yourself back in the room you initially woke up in. It is cold in comparison to the furnace above. There is one locked gate left to try. You reach the strange grasping red metal key towards the lock, and it almost appears to bite in greedily as you turn it. You follow the stairs down, and the temperature gets cooler still. At the base is a vast, grimly ornate hall. Marble byres and brass plaques line various alcoves and recesses. Great, heavy tapestries made of shiny fabric and metal links hang from clawed iron sockets, each woven with a symbol of a screaming skull with sharp blades protruding from its sides. This same symbol is carved in bone-white marble above a great gate. Several dustmen mutter in hushed voices, echoing in the quietness of this tomb-like structure. Even with your disguise, 
it would be best to avoid them and seek this secret portal under the advice of your covert friend. He mentioned it being under one of the arches. You have no idea which one. You circle this time anti-clockwise, lowering your gaze to the floor, trying to not draw attention, and come to a regal memorial chamber. Embedded in the center of the wall is a large tomb, its marble surface giving it an elegant look, however the plaque is completely blank. Shuffling feet behind you draw your attention to another zombie carrying a large tome. This doddering corpse has had its eyes sewn shut and the number 732 is carved into its brow. The threadwork that keeps its ocular cavities sealed looks very old. It's possible the eyes were sewn shut before their death. The book it is carrying is extremely heavy. As awkward as the zombie is, it must be incredibly strong. It is titled Tome of Bone and Ash and lists diagrams and charts detailing several minor wards and enchantments. Skimming through, there are numerous drawings of skeletons, bones, and the manner by which they may be preserved over time. Of particular interest is the section regarding guardians. Apparently, the dustmen animate corpses of fallen giants to serve as guardians for the mortuary. To make them even deadlier, armoring enchantments are woven into their breastplates to help shield them from attacks. At the very center of this wheel of memorial chambers is a large arched hallway, decorated by the same chain-linked tapestries. Against one side, there is an impressive rack of ornate weapons and relics, particularly a large crescent hatchet. Although an intimidating weapon, it looks more decorative than functional. Not only must it be extremely heavy, but the balance would be poor and the edge looks dull and pitted. In front of the display, Standing sentinel is a giant skeleton in ornate bronze armor. The intricate plates have been riveted onto its ribcage and shoulder blades with a series of iron bolts, and elaborate symbols have been carved across the surface. The huge blade in its hand looks like it weighs as much as a wagon cart. Mind if I borrow that blade for a second? You must be getting tired of holding it. The skeleton looks too long dead to answer any of your questions. Either that, or its head is too high up for it to hear you. Hey, how about this skeleton, Mort? Will it do as a body? Mort grins. Ah, uh, is that a yes? Or... Oh, sorry. Mort floats up to the head of the skeleton, stares at it, then floats back down, studying the armor and the blade as he descends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think this'll do. I don't know. This thing looks like more than you can handle. What in Baird did you ask me if I wanted it for then? Practicing your cruelty skills? Mort bobs indignantly. And after all I've done for you. I was thinking of your safety, Mort. I'm worried attaching your head to this thing would hurt you somehow. Mort stares at you for a moment. Oh what? Did we get married at some point? What's all this I don't want you to get hurt wash? If you really cared, you'd find a way to get my head on that giant skeleton's body. Alright then. Give me a second to pry the head off this thing. As you're about to do so, you suddenly stop. If these skeletons are guardians, then disturbing them may awaken them. You study the frame behind the armor and notice the same iron bolts are set into the skeleton's shoulder, elbow, pelvic, and knee joints. A mass of thick leather cords and heavy knotted ropes run along the length of the skeleton's arms and legs woven in such a pattern that they resemble muscles and tendons. 
Despite the armor's obvious age, it looks well cared for. The dancing firelight glimmers on its polished surface, and the symbols engraved on the breastplate shift whenever you try to focus on them. Almost unconsciously, you let your gaze relax as you look at the symbols. After a moment, they cease shifting and resolve into a trail of runes that weave up and down the breastplate. The interlocking pattern reminds you of chains. On its most basic level, you recall that the runes are a lesser armoring enchantment, but several skull-shaped runes and spherical tracings along the edges of the armor make you suspect some greater necromantic and warding enchantments are woven in as well. Referring back to the Tome of Bone and Ash, it seems the armoring enchantment applies only to the breastplate. The necromantic enchantment allows the skeleton to be raised, but it is the warding enchantment that gives the skeleton its limited awareness of its surroundings. You'd guess that if you were to mar the runes, it would interpret it as an attack, unless you blinded it to your presence first. Scratching and buffing with your scalpel and a rag, you mar the runes maintaining the warding enchantment first, then work backward through the rune pattern, cancelling the necromantic, and finally the armoring enchantment. The work is difficult and nerve-wracking at first, but slowly your mind begins to focus and the runes begin to unravel beneath your attack. Within minutes, the giant skeleton has been stripped of the enchantments binding it. It collapses, falling to the floor with a crash of bones and a heavy clanging noise. You wait for a moment, but no one responds to the sound. Moving quickly, you sift through the skeleton's parts on the floor. Most of it is too heavy or too old to be useful, but you discover a piece of the skeleton's armor with a majority of one of the broken enchantments engraved on it. I'll just take it then. <clears throat> May I help you? You whip round, ready to defend yourself, and see a tired-looking man in a black robe. His narrow face is extremely pale, and he doesn't look as if he has been sleeping. His shoulders are slumped, and the flesh sags loosely beneath his bloodshot eyes. Ah, greetings. Greetings. I am Suego. The man makes a slight bow, and you realize that his eyes aren't bloodshot so much as they have a red tinge to them. I, ah. Uh. Suego's lips suddenly peel back, revealing a row of dirty, sharp teeth, and he leans in sniffing you. Ah, uh, why in the hells are you sniffing me? Your clothes, those robes, they smell of another. They are not yours. Suego's lips peel into a strange smile, and his eyes gleam with an almost feral light. Who are you? I... I only took these robes so I could leave in peace. There is something strange about this man. You feel that a version of the truth may be your best defense here. I woke up in one of the preparation rooms upstairs. You seem surprised. You woke up on one of the slabs upstairs? Yes. I know this is hard to believe, but it's the truth. I woke up on one of your slabs upstairs. Really? The dustman scrutinizes you. You do look like you have been prepared. I don't know how you would have survived such pain. Are you in pain? You look it. Well, Suego squints. He seems confused. Obviously, a mistake has been made. 
Either you were brought here by blood relatives, are the dustmen, or... Swago suddenly hisses, as if an unpleasant thought had just occurred to him. He studies you. It is fortunate you awoke, or you may have reached the true death before your time. Then there's been a mistake. If I may ask, are you alright? You look tired. Swago manages a weak smile, and the corners of his mouth twitch ever so slightly. I <laughs> have recently taken ill. Minor fevers, nothing more. Sometimes they make sleep difficult. Anything I could do? No, no. Thank you for your concern. I will endure. Was there something else you wanted? His eyes flicker towards the shattered colossus behind you. Yes, I had some questions. Swago nods. You may ask your questions. Do you know someone named Farad? Farad? <sighs> of course I know him. He frowns, and his eyes gleam red. A ghoulish man. No respect for the dead. And even less for the living. He is a scavenger. A collector. Collector? Yes, collectors. Packs of scavengers that bring the bodies of the dead to us. They may have thought you dead, and are so copper-blind they wouldn't have cared to check before delivering you here. Do you know where I could find him? I know he resides in the hive, the slums outside the mortuary, but I do not know exactly where. Some of the other collectors may know, if they'll talk to you. Anything else? Oh, uh, do you know there's a corpse up on the second level that's a human in disguise? Pardon? There's a man disguised as a corpse upstairs. I think he's spying on the dustman. What? Why would anyone- Swago's voice suddenly drops to a hiss, and his lips peel back, revealing his jagged teeth. <sighs> An anarchist. His eyes gleam a bright red. An anarchist here. He suddenly seems to remember your presence, and composes himself. Thank you for informing me. I will see to it that the guards handle this matter. No problem. I'd like to leave. Now. Swago nods, and the corners of his mouth twitch again. Why? Of course, of course. Let me open the gate for you. Wait right here. All right. The dustman ambles towards the main gate. Just as he reaches the threshold, he glances over his shoulder, his red eyes gleaming, and flashes you a fanged smile, then turns away. However strange, you don't feel this man will turn you in, nor mention your unorthodox entry to this mortuary. Nonetheless, you certainly feel no compulsion to trust him, and with his back turned, now was your chance to slink away and finally find this damned portal. Portal.